You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. At some point during the healthcare reform debate, you've probably heard President Obama and others recognize the work of the Geisinger Health System. Through a variety of mechanisms, among others charging a flat fee for certain surgical procedures and working hard to integrate services, Geisinger has been able to bend that all-important cost curve while also improving the quality of care they provide. The physician executive who oversees this work is our guest today, Dr. Glenn Steele, President and CEO for the Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania. Welcome, Glenn. Hello, Jack. Good to be with you. It's always great to have a chance to talk with you because, you know, you have become a veritable rock star of health policy in Washington. And Geisinger is, is, in my view, is the sweetheart of the Congress in terms of one of their favorite examples of how things can be better in American healthcare and a real example of a place that's producing higher quality at affordable costs. Can you give us a couple numbers to indicate just how efficient a place Geisinger actually is? I think the best set of numbers to look at are the Elliot Fisher, Jack Wenberg data that look at Medicare utilization and cost data. And, you know, it's a bit dated. It obviously doesn't include the commercial insurance data, but it shows striking contrast from region to region in the country in terms of who gets what and how much they get charged. And, and if you compare patients with the same problem being treated, presumably you should get the same cost and the same utilization, but you don't. And I think at Geisinger, which is similar to other integrated health systems, you find a pattern of lower cost. I think those are the best external data that show our, our potential for efficiency, Jack. Well, Glenn, I mean, what do you think demographics plays in that? I mean, if we move, you know, millions of Swedish people to Boca Raton, Florida from Minnesota, would that change everything down there? Well, you have to understand with our demography, we've probably got sicker, we've got poorer, and we've got older folks because we're in the T of Pennsylvania, and the T of Pennsylvania is basically either rural or post-industrial. You know, a tremendous number of folks that were involved in the mining industry and a lot of things that were not associated with good behavioral outcome. And now they're old. And so we're, you know, we're sicker, poor, and older. And yet we still get really, really good outcome and, and utilization data. So I think we're particularly proud of that. And I think that's probably why we've been focused on as a model by some of the healthcare policy folks recently. Now, you, you really do have some great stats to back up the claims of, of improved quality and efficiency. Well, is it a challenging process to establish, to build, to maintain a culture within your organization that focuses on improving quality and driving down costs? How, how have you done that? And how do you keep that focus across all the, the hospitals, the, the money clinics, and all the doctors and nurses that you employ? You know, I came here about eight and a half years ago, and it was at a time when we were just coming off of an unsuccessful merger with a very good medical school. Uh, that's uh, Hershey Penn State. I wasn't involved in the dysfunctional uh, marriage, but, but I was kind of blessed by coming in at a time when Geisinger needed to have a new mission. It needed to have a new vision. And really at the outset of looking at, at this particular leadership job, I had thought it would be a perfect place to do care reengineering and care innovation. So right from the beginning, after we had dealt with some operational issues that were a function of the of the merger and the demerger, 
we started to talk about a strategic plan that was focused on a very few things. And at the top of the list was innovation and major reengineering to try to uh, increase quality and decrease cost. And, and we've now been probably six, six and a half years into that. And it's a, a strategy which is disseminated from the heart surgeons down throughout our entire organization. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it, it's, it is impressive. And, now, you know, there's this pervasive thinking in the country that more care is automatically going to be better. Uh, how did you get employees and patients and employers and others to buy into the idea that this isn't always the case? Well, I mean, you know, what we tried to focus on was changing our payment incentives, Jack. And we basically said, because we're both an insurance company as well as a as a provider organization here, we said, what would be the optimal outcome for a group of patients, heart patients or patients with diabetes or young patients who need what we think is much more preventive care? So when the insurance leadership and the provider leadership decided what the optimal outcome would be for a large group of patients, and we have 2.6 million that we're responsible for in this, in this part of Pennsylvania, we backed out from that and said, what would be the best payment incentive to get the docs and the insurance company working together to achieve that outcome for the patients? And by and large, that payment incentive was not based on units of work. It was based on achieving certain improvement in outcomes. And then we said, what would the docs need? What would the docs want in order to help them get there? And I'm talking about electronic health record. I'm talking about registry data, what have you. So, you know, we started by saying, what would be the optimal outcome? And then how do we design everything that we do in the partnership between our insurance component and our provider component to get there. And that's a very different way of framing than our relationships with non-Geisinger insurance payers. Well, that's brilliant. And it's uh, precisely what we at the ACC think needs to happen uh, with Congress and Medicare. We need to set those kind of incentives up for everybody and shift the way the system works in terms of the payment incentives. But, you know, I've heard a lot of talk in Congress praising Geisinger's proven care warranties, these package warranties that you put out. Can you tell us what they are and how the package price works and what procedures are covered? We actually started with elective coronary artery bypass, as, as you know, and then we've expanded it to angioplasty. We've expanded it to total hip. We do it for our gastric bypass surgery for the treatment of morbid obesity. We do it now for perinatal for the entire episode uh, of uh, pregnancy and, and afterwards. We do it for the use of, uh, of a number of our biologicals, erythropoietin. We do it for cataracts. So I think there's probably about eight or nine fairly high volume outpatient and inpatient episodes that we have re-engineered. Uh, the key thing here, Jack, is the re-engineering of the care. It's not the kind of sexy package price, but it's the re-engineering of care. And, and the key for the re-engineering of care is the concept that we can do away with unjustified variation in how we care for these patients. And if we get consensus on the best process from beginning to end, you know, outpatient, inpatient, all the way through rehab, we're basically betting on the fact that we can increase quality of outcome and decrease cost. And then what we do is we model it and we look at all of our complications that have occurred a year or two years before we do the reengineering and we do a discount on the total cost. So the package price includes everything, including 
are taking risk on complications with a discount based on the complications that we had the two years beforehand. And we make that deal with our insurance company. So we're going at risk for significantly improving or decreasing the number of complications through the re-engineering process. That's fascinating. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Glenn Steele, President and CEO for the Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania. We're discussing key cost and quality drivers, areas in which Geisinger's had a great deal of success recently. So, Glenn, if you look at proven care pricing and so forth at this point, it's worked out for you, it sounds like. The, the, the risk you've taken has actually turned out to be a benefit. Well, yes and no. It's been a benefit in terms of getting our docs and our nurses and, and our clinical leaders really enthused. We designed it so that we could probably bet on an early win. So the reason we went for cabbage or coronary artery bypass is that both on the cardiology side as well as on the cardiothoracic surgery side, there were really good outcome metrics. There was a pretty good ability to get evidence-based or consensus best practice off the shelf. So we didn't have to sit around the table with our physicians and Davin about who was doing the best process. We, we actually had that ready for us through groups like yours, quite frankly. And we had a high volume, and we already had good outcome by Pennsylvania healthcare cost containment data. So we thought, and we had great leadership, great clinical leadership. So all of those, all of those things made the probability of a win on that kind of beginning proven care, reengineering, pretty high. And that's exactly what happened. So once that happened and we got national presentations out there and our men and women, you know, really got celebrated for this and, you know, the New York Times picked it up, then we had a lot of people coming forward within our family to say, we want to do this as well. So that's the part that's the win. Now, would you like to hear what the part is that's a loss? Sure. <laughs> Not another single insurance company outside of our own has come to us demanding to be let into this kind of a deal. Isn't that interesting? That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> um, and, you know, and you've also reduced readmissions, right? I mean, you've, you've actually, and that, that should attract insurance companies. Uh, they should be flocking to you. We've taken our mortality for these things, which was already low at the start. Again, affirmed not by us, but by the Pennsylvania Healthcare Cost Containment Commission. And we lowered it dramatically. So the mortality's way down, and our, our readmissions has gone down almost 50%. First of all, it's a huge benefit for the patients and their families. And then, as you might imagine, it's a huge savings in cost. That's right. And it should be attracting insurance companies, but somehow they don't always get it, do they? Well, on a, on a grand scale, how feasible would it be to take this kind of innovation and, uh, you know, if you will, leverage it to the non-integrated doctors, the, the small practices, small hospitals. I mean, you are in some rural, very rural areas. But how, how could we spread this, this kind of concept to the non-integrated part of the world out there and, and try to have other people take advantage of some of these opportunities? Well, one of the great benefits of a lot of the pizzazz that, uh, that we've got recently is that a huge number of folks from other systems that are not designed like Geisinger have come to visit us. And they're very interested in whether this is generalizable or scalable. I'm talking about clinician leaders. I'm talking about hospital systems uh, that are really not functionally integrated. And what intrigues everybody is this concept that we might be able to increase quality and at the same time decrease cost. 
And, you know, that's the fundamental finding here, that value to patients and their families can increase. And it's not that you have to choose one or the other, either, you know, quality versus cost reduction, that they actually go hand in hand. So I'm, I'm intrigued with the fact that we have a load of folks coming here trying to figure out how to export this to a different anatomy, different market, what have you. So that's the beginning. The second thing, Jack, is is if we could get through this food fight right now in terms of health care reform and at the very least have more discretionary capability to do innovation and experimentation with more rapid cycle results than what's now possible, I think we can move this. You know, we can test the assumptions. We can answer your question. Is this scalable outside of a Geisinger? What is in the pipeline for you? I mean, now that you've done this stuff, what's next? What's on the horizon for Geisinger that's going to take this bold agenda even further? One of the most important things that we'd like to focus on is the interaction between our hospital-based specialists and subspecialists and our primary care physicians that are out in the communities. For instance, if we're taking care of really sick patients that have congestive failure as, as part of their chronic disease aggregate, or if we're taking care of type 2 diabetics that are really very, very volatile, very fragile, I'm convinced that the only way our primary care physicians can optimally manage those folks is to have perfect interaction with our cardiologists who really have the intellectual property or endocrinologists who really have the intellectual property. And we want to try to disseminate it out through our primary care rather than demand that the patients schlep into Danville or or our major hubs. And we're experimenting with how to do that, number one. And number two, we're trying to figure out a very concrete way where we can give credit and essentially pay for the intellectual property that is taken from our specialist and disseminated out to our primary care physicians. I think that's going to be really important. You know, you, you've been working closely with members of Congress uh, on a lot of these issues, and there's a lot of noise in the debate. I notice you don't, you don't have any death panels at Geisinger, and you're doing well without them. That's great. But are you optimistic that meaningful reforms are going to come? Are we going to get a bill? And if so, is you think it's going to be a fairly good one? I don't know. I can tell you one thing that I'm absolutely certain of. Regardless of what comes out of the uh, legislative process, we're going to have to innovate dramatically. Couldn't agree with you more. We have been learning more about important cost and quality drivers with Dr. Glenn Steele, CEO of Geisinger Health. Glenn, thank you very much for being our guest. This was great. My pleasure, Jack. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.